Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast that bridges the gap between goal setting, science, and peak performance. I'm your host, Jamie Phillips, a former professional goalie, currently pursuing a doctorate in physical therapy and specializing in goalie performance coaching. Joining me as always is Dr. Ben Cernick, a seasoned goalie coach and sports analytics specialist. Whether you find yourself at home, on the road, or at the rink, grab a cup of your favorite beverage and let's drop the puck on this week's episode. Folks, we are back for another week. It is not just myself with the guest. It's not just myself and Jamie Phillips. It is myself, Jamie Phillips, and none other than like 18-time recurring guest, Derek Pugin. Hi, Derek. I think this is my second appearance, but I talked I think this is your first one. I probably I, felt like 18. I think this is your third. Is it not your third? I don't know. I Guys, I, I, I've lost count. I've been on... I'm doing one of these a week for everybody, so I've I I don't even that listen to them afterwards, to be honest. I don't listen to our I listened to Ben. I listened to your episode last week, uh, mainly because I needed to find a clip for Instagram. Very good episode, actually. A couple things. Um Rob Gray, very smart person. Dr. Rob yep. Gray, very smart person. Um also it did stroke my ego that the things that I accidentally stumbled upon were kind of correct scientifically, which is cool. And then there was a lot, and I, you know what? Actually, I think the thing that made me the happiest was like the emphasis on like playing games and training because one for fun, like I love just playing games, loved it as a goalie, loved it as a coach. Um, but I know like I've had some parents be like, "Well, why do you why are you taking that last ten minutes to do games? Why are you doing drills?" I'm like I'm trying to apply everything that we're doing, but to know that that the research shows like that's the best way or one of the best ways, I thought that was really cool, and hopefully. Hopefully, there's more of that because I enjoy create coming up with different different games to play at the end of practice to put in whatever the the focus of the skate was. There, I uh, same thing, Ben. That was a very good episode, and a lot of the stuff that I've been stressing was kind of 
uh, reiterated in that episode. So thank you very much because I actually, in my last couple of classes, I went and said, Hey guys, go listen to this goalie science podcast. <laughs> yesterday and in my skate too. Yesterday, yesterday this episode, episode? I was like, I was right. I, 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 yeah, I might've said that. Uh, but also just, I know quickly, I'll be very careful with this because of the, I don't want you guys to have to put a disclaimer, but uh, to Jamie's point about parents whining, like parents are idiots. Parents don't understand what we do. They don't need to understand what they do. That's why they bring them to us. So if parents are giving you crap for playing games at the end of a session, there's a reason. There's a reason we do games because the reads, it's very much um, unpredictable and things are out of our control. And guess what? That's how games and goaltending happens in real life. So parents, you know what, like, Check yourself right. at the door sometimes. Yeah, like, Let us I, do her job. I don't. I don't go to my financial advisor and ask about the trades. As long as the trades are, you know, as long as at the end I'm in the black, that's all I care about. Just because he's an expert, that's his job. Our job is to coach goalies. Like it's okay, unless unless you also are a goalie coach and play in the NHL or these things, then you we can talk. But actually, no, don't. I just let me do my thing. The thing I was going to say, the thing again, I've been a big Rob Gray or person for a while he, i think he's brilliant he did a great job making it simple too like explaining mm -hmm. it uh, but yeah i've had this conversation with jay before derek like the way that you coached us growing up like again you've been doing what he's been saying for 15 years he's been preaching this for you know as long or if not longer so it's always cool to see that's on the same page but in terms of the games thing right like we grew up playing two net rebound talk about like one of the best most fun games playing growing up right so the basic rules of this game is as soon as the puck touches one goalie the shots on the other goalie so yeah one right it's one puck yeah one puck yeah. and like it is that game is the most competitive the most fun at any level how many enormous saves do goalies make during that how many like, incredible difficult reads do they have to make during that and it's fun right it yeah and it's and then we i guess you know we talk about this well i mean talk about this a lot but like having a good training partner and we talked, I think the first time Ben was, or Derek was on, we talked about how we don't particularly love doing private sessions. We prefer semi-privates because you need that competition. Like you, to have that, to have someone to push, to be able to watch and learn. But like, I just, that, you know, when you're doing drills and you, there's a, we see a lot of goalies are drill goalies. This isn't uncommon. Goalies are very good in drills. And then when it comes to the game, it's like, what the heck happened? Like, why does this not, why, why are the dots not connecting? So to have a drill, and even though for the most part, I know all three of us um, really, we, in terms of comparing ourselves to some other coaches that I've skated with, there's not a lot, like we have a lot less structure, a lot more shots to score, a lot more, make sure you follow your rebounds. Things are designed in a way so that they're not as robotic um, as they, like, I guess they can be, but to be able to just put that into action and then what's the point of, of, working on i don't know working on smothering the puck in tight if you're not going to do a drill where you have to smother the puck in tight with pressure and with a backdoor threat or the they can sh shoot low and so again it's like it helps to kind of for us to or for those listening um to to not create robots and i know people are always like oh goalies are robot well this is how this is our a way to help create athletes that can understand and read the game and they can actually apply what they've learned to the game because that's when it matters. But uh, why we have gathered here um, the the round table, the Lord of the Rings here, why why I summoned everybody, well, actually why I summoned 
summon Derek is something I think it's if you're a hockey parent listening now and you have you have a child in the game, it's, this isn't going to be new information. This uh, this is new information for me because I it's something I didn't grow up with, um, something I'm not involved with directly and i think this is really cool and also like i'm in my own little bubble here in the united states where you two are both in in hockey canada's jurisdiction and the way i put it in our text message is where you know ben's in the lab derek's in the derek's on the ice and i'm just i'm out to lunch so the the topic we want to talk about is the new developments of you know small like half ice hockey for youth i believe ben correct me if i'm wrong it's nine and under yeah, so whatever novice and under used to be, is that right there? Okay. So you, you, ten, you ten? So no, you ten nine and under. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's U nine and under. So at U nine, they play half ice until January fifteenth. As of January fifteenth, they transition to full ice. Okay. And then that U nine would be the old major novice. If we're going by kind of okay. what we remember as we grew up. Okay. So major novice and down playing half ice, and then that. Also talking about some of the quote-unquote outlaw leagues, which are the full ice for those full ice alternatives for those age groups. And this is something like, you know, when we grew up, we owned, there only was full ice. There weren't any small nets. We didn't have any of these, these things that other sports have had in terms of development and progression for, for forever. Um, so this is new. And I think it's, I, that's why I really wanted to get the Derek on because Derek has a young goal. He's got Weston who's, you know, he's a good, he's a good little goalie, works hard. Uh, you know, hopefully he's enjoying it. Uh, hopefully you're not a crazy hockey dad, but I highly doubt that. But someone who's in the trenches every day, who's playing this half ice, who's also playing the full ice, like what, you know, so someone explain to me what is going on uh, in Canada in terms of these two different options for kids. Okay. So I'll go, I'll go first because I, I am involved in both of them. Um, so first off the perception of outlaw hockey and how it translates into suspension with hockey Canada as far as I know and I've been informed is that is no longer no longer a threat um, there was a lawsuit with USA hockey that they ended up losing and that's kind of carried over into Canada so I had an important decision to make in September um, my son plays in the OMJ. And he also had a offer to play in the Clever League. So the Clever Super League would be the U9 Full Ice Outlaw League. Um, so it was a tough decision to make because I was under the assumption that if he played in the Clever Super League, he was suspended from Hockey Canada. Um, doing my information and doing my research, I found out that that was not to be accurate. So my son does actually play both. And I know a lot of other families that are also playing both. Uh, in the OMHA, they play half ice, form four, no whistles. Um, at U9, they do have one referee side. At U8, they do not. At U8, there's no referee on the ice. It's usually a coach. Um, at U8, they also use the small nets, and they use blue pucks. 22-minute uh, runtime. So that is the primary difference between the two kind of ideologies or concepts of within Hockey Canada and the Clever Super League. Um, I know Ben has a lot of research into the benefits of half ice and as a parent who has a kid playing in both and sees both, I see, I definitely see benefits to both. So bad. So let's talk about, let's talk about the, the literature. That was a really nice summary. Um, I'm happy they're using the light pucks, the blue pucks. Again, I've had people, 
I've heard some inconsistencies with people using those. So again, like they'll do the half ice, they'll do uh, the four and four, and then they're still using the full adult pucks, we'll call them, like the, the typical black rubber pucks we're used to. And like those kids weigh 30 pounds, trying to shoot that puck is a nightmare, right? Like, yeah, you, you're, it's the same. Again, I said this example in the podcast last week. Like, remember when we were little kids or you hand a little kid a full basketball and a 10 foot net and they're trying to shoot? It's, it's not a jump shot. They're just wasting the whole ball at the net, right? Like, that's my classic example for why lighter pucks, smaller nets. That's my best example is if you want kids to learn proper technique, and I put that in quotation marks, the best technique that they can or, or be introduced to that, you got to modify stuff so that it matches their physical abilities. Right. And what I'll say to this, I don't want to interrupt you, but um, the U8 teams that are using the black pucks, um, that is the coach's choice. Like that is coaches. I don't want to use the blue puck. I want my kids using the black puck. And that is to me, that's mistake. Like it really is a mistake because they're trying to have their kids handle that, that heavier puck. And it's not benefiting those kids. No. They're playing they're against always on a smaller net. And I heard last week, you had guys like lying down. Yeah. And they got kids who can't shoot the spot. And all it's doing is it's creating, it's it's not creating a game where there is any scoring or battling or reading or reacting for the goalies or the players or the defense, whoever's playing defense, right? Yeah. Um, but it is it is parents making that decision to use the big nets and the black pucks at U8 hockey. And to me, that is a major oversight. Yeah. And so that's like my biggest point. So to to look at the literature across like the body is every other sport pretty much globally um, has adopted size or age appropriate modifications. Tennis reduces the court size, reduces the, the racket size, changes the ball. Basketball, court size, ball size, net size. Soccer, there's even in soccer right now in Canada, they don't move until full pitch 11-11 um, until 13. So until grade seven. And soccer has a third, a second, a third net too. Is that true? Uh, not sure. I, I talked to a goalie parent the other uh, the other day because he asked me why why was why is there not like a a middle tier net in hockey outside of net? Oh, sorry, you mean net. sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. My I, three teams at once. I was like, you're the dumbest. No, no, sorry. Did I say teams? I meant net. I apologize. Uh, Nets and, so, and soccer has a net that that grows as the kids grow. Yeah, soccer, look, soccer is, JB, we get yelled at all the time for praising soccer too much. Neither you nor I, nor Derek, or soccer. Actually, did Weston play soccer? No. Yeah, I, I played, like, I played whatever they called it a house league soccer was growing up. Right. right. But so anyways, I was saying in, in Canada, even so they don't get to full pitch 11-11 until 13, and they're trying to push that later. Like, they're trying to make that go later on. Because they're like, ooh, still at that age, that's not, it's too big. It's it's not, the game's not being played properly. It's not as quick. It's not as skillful as it needs to be, right? So every other sport adopts it because the science behind it is that for you to learn and for you to get better, one, we all know this, you need repetitions, but you need repetitions that are going to be specific to how the game is designed to play and what we think the optimal way to play a game is, Right. My example I always go back to in hockey is I remember I was seven or eight. I played house league forward or I played, uh, I ended up playing you or eight-year-old triple A as a forward, which is a ridiculous concept. But, and I remember you would just take the puck in your own zone. And because I was faster than the other kids, I would skate the entire length of the ice ahead of all of them. And all nine people would chase me with the puck. And because the ice was so huge, it was just, okay, breakaway. I didn't score. The other fast kid in the other team would then go the entire length of the ice. And so by reducing the size, you just get one, a little bit less of that because there's not as much free space. 
Two, way more puck touches, way more passes, way more shots, way more reads. Did we lose him? He froze. Oh, I don't know if it was me. I know. I wasn't sure either because I've been like a sort of a snowstorm right now. So I was hoping it wasn't me. Oh, he's gone. Oh. <laughs> All right. So I'm definitely going to have to edit this later. Dang it. Hate having to go back and edit. Um, I'll just cut this stuff out. Um, I think what did yeah. you say? Way more reads. Uh, like I, I'll kind of piggyback off of what he was saying. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, let's build all. It just depends. If we're going to do that, then I just need to like do like a little clap so I remember to go back and cut it. Okay. Well, he just texted us. You want me to see it? Hang on. My school internet just exploded. Okay. Well, we'll carry on. So three, two. Well, so we lost Ben. Uh, the University of Ontario is, is it, it's not UOIT anymore. Is it? I don't know. Uh, Ottawa Tech. Yeah, no, or no, Ontario Tech. Does it really matter? Classic tech school with the internet problems. Yeah. But let's uh, let's let's piggyback on what on what Ben was talking about before with the more reads. Uh, so yeah, so the benefit of the half ice is definitely more touches, more reads, more engaged. It's not just one player kind of carrying the play like Ben was saying. Um, they also do. They also at the MD level, not and not so much the house league level, but the MD level is uh, you'll have a team of sixteen kids and they'll be playing half. Half the team will play on one side, half the team will play on the other side. So you definitely get more ice time also, which you don't get when you're playing five on five if your team has nine fours and six deep. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's more ice time also. Where kind of the parents is more what I've heard. The parents don't like the fact that it's not full ice. They're not learning hockey. And where my experience of playing both is the kids that were doing both made the most amount of progress throughout the year because they played their half ice. They were getting those touches. They were getting those reads and the ice time. And then they were also able to carry that over into playing the five on five where they had to play with offsides, icings, line changes, those types of things. Those were the kids that kind of took the biggest steps that I've seen through this U9 year with my son. Uh, now, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I definitely think it, it wouldn't make, and that, that was like what my biggest thing uh, that I was going to try to bring to the table was why not a little bit of both or how do they integrate both? And I think if you look at it, it, just the sheer repetition that you get through small ice. And I think we've all been to a hockey game where the it, at the intermission, they bring out the kids before the Zamboni comes off and no one's doing anything. And it's, it's just, you just laugh because kids can't skate. So what's the point of having a higher ice surface where you can't, where no one's using it? When you can condense it, now the puck's always within the vicinity of a player. They always know where they're going. They get those reps. But then at the same time, it's like, yes, you need to implement those those hockey skills and being able to understand what a you know icing is, what offsides are. Um, I guess I guess it would be like for for me, at what age does it really matter? Because I th- I think about watching young kids, and I mean I I'm a little. I, I, you know, I, I'm a little bit privileged in the point where the most of the hockey I watch or almost all of it is AAA. So it's the best kids of their age group. Um, but I think of one of the times I've seen house league where it's even at, you know, U nine, not every kid fully understands and grasps the concept. And it's not even until even I work with you 15 AAA teams and even still like 
talking about systems and all those things, they're not being applied the way that, you know, people think that they are, or that you think that they're going to grasp, you know, some sort of, you know, intricate PK system. So I guess like what I, I, I get, I get the appeal for it, but is there, do you think there's an age at when, do you think at that age, the rules really truly matter that much? I don't know. Um, and this is like, this is a discussion and like a debate that hopefully Ben comes back in and it can kind of add to, but, and we talked about this through our text messages is it's the difference in competitiveness and the difference in level of skill and play between my son's U9 MD OMHA team. And then the clever super league is drastic. Like it really is a drastic difference. Now. Is it a chicken or the egg type of situation? Is the is the level of competitiveness so much better in the Clever Super League because they're playing full ice and they're being taught these things? Or is the level so much better because all of the best players wanted to play full ice sooner? Right? That's That's the question that we can't really answer because we don't know and we can't really compare. Now... We're only going to know in five, 10 years, right? The kids that come out of that league from the Clever Super League that started that half ice or started that full ice earlier against some of those kids that stayed in the Hockey Canada system and played with the touches in the four and four and the half ice. Now, like it, it, that's the thing that's going to, history is going to kind of dictate which path is right. But at, at what I've seen this year in terms of level and competitiveness, the, the Clever Super League is definitely head and shoulders skill-wise and competitive nature-wise ahead of what I've seen with the kids that are staying and playing half ice. And it, was it like that from day one when you first like arrived at the first? Yes. So then that, if that, that would skew towards the latter of saying that the best, if it's already better when you get there, chances are it's you're just getting the best kids. Now, will their development long-term be better? I don't know. But I think, you know, this is goalie science, so we can talk about goalies. But I think for goalies doing a little bit of both is probably the best bet but i would if, if my 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 opinion without evidence would say a 75 25 small ice to full ice ratio for young kids as your young goalies is probably the best just because you need those shots you reason yeah and, and all on to that point is uh i i enjoyed the half ice like my son he's just now transitioning out of half ice by the time this airs we're done with half ice we're back but he's just full ice for the rest of his life um the reason that the clever super league appealed to me as a goalie parent was because his u9 md team is incredibly strong and in a half ice game he was averaging about 14 to 20 shots a game in a half ice runtime game which is incredibly low uh we don't shoot teams and I know like we're going to laugh and because every parent says this, we would actually shoot teams about a hundred to 20 in a half ice game. Like it, it was, we, we were very, very strong team. When he went and played in the clever league, he played for a, a weaker team and he'd get 35, probably 35 in the low end in a five on five game. So he was getting a lot more chances and reads in the half ice game or in the, in the full ice, sorry, than he was in the half ice game. Now, if, Let's say both teams were mid-pack teams. It'd be, it would have been perfect for him. It would have been a perfect combination, a perfect meshing of the two systems. Um, but for him, he was getting more out of the five-on-five five because 
to be frank, we were getting, we were getting slaughtered and it was really, really good for him because yeah. he'd go back to his MD team and I could see noticeable difference in the way he was playing. Which like there is like the classic case study for parents that are so mad that their goalies are get on weak teams. That that is actually probably my biggest pet peeve, and I think this season has been the biggest struggle um, dealing with a hand a small handful of parents who are upset that their children are on weak teams. Their thirteen year old children are on weak teams, and like you don't, you have to understand one stats it do not matter at all. Nope, and two like. In five years and six years, they are going to be better off than the goalie that's getting seven shots, at, you know, seven shots a game. Sure, if you want to leave organizations and go to a better team so you win every night and you face eight shots, go ahead. But I guarantee your development is going to be, it's either going to stagnate or it's not going to be as quick. It's not going to be that hockey stick kind of development that we want to see um, because you're just not getting shots. And so like, so thank you for just for saying that because I'm probably going to cut that and send that to a lot of parents because it just that you can see I'm getting heated, but it's just, I wish, like I know that not everyone is involved and, and is, has hockey experience or sporting experience, but it, it is really important that just for young age, it's not about winning. It's just about reps and quality reps and getting scored on because you, like Dr. Rob said, you learn from mistakes. Like you learn from mistakes and people listening, think about the time that you've taken like a quiz in school and you got a question wrong. The next time you saw that question, like on an exam, you probably got that question right. As long as you went back and looked at what you did, then you probably got that right because that's how you learn. You learn from your mistakes and you learn from goals. You learn from goals against. And like I think about it now, it's very rarely, it, you know, you don't really give up the same goal twice that often unless there's something drastically wrong with your with your technique, your read, because that's how you learn. Um, and so that, that for me is a very, it is a point of contention because it's something that you, everyone's dealt with. And we're going to continue to deal with till till you know the end of time, but I wish that it was just something that I didn't have to work deal with my phone ringing all the time in the clinic trying to get, have parents yell at me. So I want to but thanks for the the Jamie rant. We love those. I needed that. Yeah, yeah. This is actually again. You can over therapy. It's fine. Um, <laughs> you guys are my therapy. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about what Derek said a second ago though because this is like again so hand up here i work with goalies who play in uh minor hockey hockey, hockey can minor hockey i work with goalies who play in the super league i have for years now um and so i've seen all side of it and i've seen great goalies from both pathways great little again as great as young goalies who are 11 and younger now can be right great for their age and they work hard we're kind of alluded to it right but in the game where weston your son's not like again is on a strong uh, hockey Canada based U9 team, he's getting 20 shots. Like, again, that's not a lot. He's out shooting teams 120. But 20 in small ice and half right. ice is not a lot. Right. No, it's not. No. But the that's like, it's that, like 10. It's like yeah. 10 full ice. But the total of that is still 120 shots in a game. Right? You mm -hmm. flip that over to the full ice in the game, in the game where you're being outshot, it might be 40 to 5. Right? That's a realistic, like, out shooting game in, in younger kids hockey 45 to 5 two teams not even close right that's 50 shots compared to 120 so like again my bias is always going to be where do we get the most reps like i know that's where i sit right when parents tell me like oh we're going to go play in you know full ice at age seven i go okay like if you think that's what you want to do for your kid that's fine i have nothing against that go ahead but i also say the same thing back where i'm like this is great opportunity if you're on a good team on a bad team you're going to get more work 
for the smaller areas relative to the same quality of that team in a bigger area, right? You're just going to get more of stuff compared. Do they practice full ice or is it half ice practices as well? Derek? Now we, we practice, when we practice with our half ice team, our major team, we have full ice practices, um, which has also helped his development because we have such a strong OMHA team that his practice time is also quality practice time because we do have good players shooting on him. When he plays Super League, he just plays games. He doesn't go and practice with that team. He just practices with our hometown team, and then he just plays the tournaments with them. So he's kind of like the way, I don't want to say I've set it up for him, but the way I, the way it's kind of worked out is that he he's practicing with a very strong team, and then he goes and plays with a really weak team. And, you know, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, we go play Super League. He's not the best goalie in that league. There are goalies that are studs at u8 like you're like wow the kid is good my kid is a mid-pack super league goalie that i can see noticeable improvement when he goes and he gets shelled like we lost the game 18 nothing last weekend 18 nothing like against a team from probably up by u ben they they pumped us 18 nothing and he got in the car and he's like were any of those goals bad and i was like no i'm like you played you had a strong game so, like, the difference in the ability for those players to finish at that level is is significantly better than what we have in our in our league at home. So, you know, he he goes through some he goes through some growing pains, and uh, like like we try to tell the parents is like this is good for them. They have to learn adversity. They have to learn how to kind of figure some stuff out on their own. Because, and I know we I'm pretty sure we said this last time I was in the pod is. You don't want your goalie the first time they face adversity to be when they're 15, 16, 17 years old playing junior A or in the OHL. Because at that point, it's like, man, I really hope he can handle that adversity. But if they are continuously having to improve and fight and claw and battle and make teams rather than be recruited to these teams, that definitely improves their character. And it kind of, if my kid gets to the point where he has to move away at 16, 17 years old, I'm going to make sure that he's prepared to move away at 16, 17 years old and move away from mom and dad. Yeah. I like the fact that they, I didn't, I didn't know that they did full ice practice. And I think that's good because then you get, you do get exposure to those, those two on ones, the, the three on twos, the, the breakaways starting from the, the red line, um, things that, you know, you would get in, in more traditional hockey. I, my question is in the, in the super league, is it a, so is full ice, are you using the full six by four nets or are you still using small nets? Full nets. So it's tradi- straight up traditional hockey. Straight up hockey. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I want to like want to jump in here too because this is something that again like I've seen enough talking with parents of this age group, but I'm just curious your thoughts, Derek, as well. The shots are coming from the same location, whether it's half ice or full ice, right? Like I'm not expecting U9 teams to be shooting taking little tiny slap shots from the blue line, right? Like general shot location is pretty similar for both leagues, right? Yeah, pretty like, and that's what I mean for a goalie. Like, this is a yeah. completely different debate if you want to talk about it as a player. But this is a goalie right. podcast. Yeah. In terms of goaltending, the one like I do have one fairly large complaint about half ice hockey, and it's the fact that they don't peg the net. That's a real. That's a totally fair. Complaint. That's that would be that's like, like that, a complaint for any size ice hockey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's an issue. And uh, if you're an away team or a team on the road, you don't get a crease. And Mm, and that's which isn't the, it wouldn't be the worst okay i would it wouldn't be 
totally against not having a crease if the nets were pegged. Because yeah. what happens is the <laughs> nets move right. and they can move they can move a foot and nobody fixes it. And then you got a kid who's trying to use the circle at center ice to kind of have some spatial awareness. And now the net has moved two feet. So like uh, that is my one complaint. And to me, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like it's not safe to use pegs up until January 14th. It's just not safe. <laughs> but then we wake up on January 15th and okay, guys, it's safe to use pegs. Like to me, somebody needs to figure that out. That's, that's bad. Fair. <laughs> that's bad. I did that, that when you guys were talking about the January 15th, because that's when they switched to full ice, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that makes more sense. I thought for some reason, starting January 15th, they pegged in half ice. Yeah, that's that's no bueno. That, that's a big oversight. That's, but again, that's like, fix, we always get the short of this. That's fixable. It is very fixable. But, but remember, like, when people think about hockey things, like, goalies never are never on the forefront of it. It's only on the forefront of our minds, not everyone else's mind. Yeah. So, I like, again, I think those are totally fair and valid complaints like i think that's something that should be easily fixed like i again derek you have the I, i'm gonna call this the luxury but when you're on the ice with goalies you have a facility which i think is again awesome every day that i'm on an ice on a full rink doing goalie stuff i go man i wish i was at a facility um every single day it costs me way less money to rent <laughs> yeah yeah it's like today's rink costs 440 dollars. okay awesome um and it will put the pucks in the slot anyway yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like another girl wearing the high stuff. Here we go. Um, but like, I carry markers on me all the time, and I just draw creases everywhere I go. I know we've talked about this in our in our exchanges too. I have no problem taking two seconds to draw a crease. I also think that's a solution to half ice hockey and a crease and the net pegging. Just draw a crease. Like it's, I, you know, I carry like a washable marker. It goes away when the flood comes out. Right, the games are not mm -hmm. that long. I'm not sure we're asking a lot for a referee to add in that to a job description of put the net in place and now draw this little crease. Like we have a marker that I attach to the net and then it draws a perfect crease, right? Like it's, it's such a simple solution. And I think that's a really valid complaint, especially when you have this switch, this transition halfway through the season, right? So there's workarounds and I think there's growing pains. Obviously the growing pains are, have been expedited in Canada since we have this split of hockey already now. Um, and so I think, again, I don't know what that's doing to the numbers of enrollment in Hockey Canada at that age. I'd assume it's down a little bit just because, you know, you have a couple hundred kids who are not in it at all right now. But that's not going to probably hurt the numbers at large enough for them to maybe be inspired to make a massive change. So, Well, I'll, I'll say this in terms of the comparison or contrast between the Super League and our all-MHA team. Um, we talk, want to talk about enrollment uh, Super League team cost. Now, I didn't pay this. They needed a goalie, so I play for free. Full disclosure. Uh, but the kids on that team paid five thousand dollars. Play U nine hockey. Five thousand uh, dollars. My town team costs us twelve hundred bucks. So, like when when families need to make decisions, twelve hundred bucks as opposed to five thousand dollars, which is now an extra three grand if you want to put into development for your goalie. Like that's something that you have to weigh. Yeah, that also definitely skews the pool too because you got to think of like who, you know, if you have a child, if you know your child's objectively not that strong, are you willing to pay an extra three grand for them to play in the super, like a, a super league? And then again, it's like, would you, for me, it's like, wait, like you said, like, would you weigh that three grand could go into a, basically almost a full season of goalie coaching 
versus being just playing in that that league and that's that's a big um you know not only expense but that's a big decision to make too and for me i i definitely fall into the i think the goalie coaching side adds more value but um it all it's all relative it all depends on what what your values are um but do you have a point ben because i had something new to to bring up yeah no i mean i think this is uh, i just like the one more thing again is like we try to be pragmatic about it and like everyone here again we each one of us makes a significant part of our livelihood or our livelihoods on a hockey and the engagement in private hockey right so i think it's it's wrong of us like derek i think it's a great point it's wrong of us not to bring up the fact that cost is a huge part right um and that's just a reality so again for parents listening for coaches who are involved in it like that is just a part of the system we know how expensive hockey is at any age especially as you get older even thinking about like this is separate like how expensive it is to play for some junior teams we're talking five digits for player fees for junior teams in, in ontario right jamie you played junior i mean we, we all played junior hockey great that was pretty cool back when full i actually showed i one of my junior teams almost made me buy my own sticks and i threatened to quit the team <laughs> <laughs> yeah you should have come out here with me and derek we were fun in st Catharines. uh so i but I, so moving on this i had a question for for Derek um you know with Weston do you have you what's the like kind of recruiting process is that something that you've been like has he been exposed that people tried to recruit him from there is that all your parents because I had a conversation with two goalie coaches from clubs AAA clubs here in the states that I will not name their names and they were sent by their clubs to go recruit you goalies that were 9 10 11 years old to get them to change and move to different programs and move away and go play at different, like we have a lot of hockey academies here, go play at different like private hockey academies, but through that AAA program. And I, my, my jaw dropped to the floor when I heard that there are people being paid to go evaluate and recruit nine-year-olds. So I'm curious to know, is that something that's happening or something you've seen with, with Weston? Uh, I've definitely seen and heard of, um, a lot of GTHL teams are recruiting kids out of the Clever Super League to go and play. Uh, now, like I said, my kid, I, I would say Weston's probably an average Super League goalie. Um, so we have not been approached by any teams, uh, nor would I want to go to the GTHL. Um, but the, I know there's definitely some of the kids in some of the top teams and some of the top players on the teams that he plays for that have already kind of been uh, recruited to play on GTHL teams or that league. So that's definitely, there's definitely recruiting going on for U10. So in Ontario, at least AAA begins at U10. So that's why this U9 league is such an appeal to some of those parents is because it's setting those kids up for their U10 AAA season. Um, now for, in terms of Weston, uh, where we live, our home center would be Hamilton Steel. So the U10 AAA team. Now, if he's lucky enough to make that team, we can play there. If he's not, I'm not chasing a triple A spot. He'll go back and play single A in our home center and we'll continue to develop and keep letting him try to grow and get better and kind of see where that takes us. But there's definitely, and you see it and you hear it, there's definitely recruitment going on for U10 triple A out of, out of that U9 super league for sure. Just can we, Jamie, you are audio person. Can we just splice that like 45 second clip of Derek talking about how it's okay if his kid who does lots of training with him plays triple A or single A? And can we just splice that and just send it 
to anyone who asks us questions about driving four hours for AAA hockey at nine or 10 years old or 11 years old. I actually, um, I actually got that question today. Somebody about an hour ago emailed me and said, Hey, this AAA team um, is looking for a goalie. Would you be, would you be interested in going? And I just laughed. I'm like, not a chance. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like a coach recruiting us. Um, it was just like a family of a, it was a family member of somebody who would probably play for this said triple A team. And I'm not going to say who it is because yeah. that team has goalies. Um, but to be honest, I think those goalies are probably a little bit better than my guy anyway. So there, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't even be a discussion for me. I just like, I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it because like, I, it's one thing to be like, you know, and I guess like I, you know, when we, when I, when we played, I weren't always exposed to this. the parents were the ones that, that dealt with a lot of these things, but, the fact that there are there just teams or AAA teams are paying people, you know, gas, hotel fares, plus whatever, you know, grand or two for the weekend to go and watch U9 AAA and make scouting reports and then to like grab them and be like, come play here, come play there, you know, move away from home at like nine. I, I thought that the moving away from home part isn't the thing. It's just like, I couldn't believe it. And I maybe I was just naive to that. Because I was just thinking, like, look, like, one, what I wasn't even a goalie until I was, like, 12. So, like, all these kids that you're putting all the stock into, like, who knows who's going to come out of the woodwork and develop in the next um, in the next couple of years. And I think Spit and Chicklets put it a good, uh, pretty good way. Like, you know, come talk to me once they, you know, once they've talked to girls and, and you started drinking alcohol. And, and it, it is true because you think about a lot of the goalies that we competed with growing up. Like, the ones that we thought were the best, the ones that were the best, you know, a lot of them didn't go anywhere past you know even to, into junior hockey so i think uh, for me i was just like that it's just crazy but i guess if that's just the way sports are and sports is I, I have to just accept that and just go move keep moving along with it we don't have to accept it right like so this is the conversation that i again this is a very this isn't a very researchy topic but it's it's work that my colleagues have spent years looking into it's like we are guilty as a hockey society in Canada and to some degree in the U.S., but putting way too much stock into trying to make the best 11-year-olds and the best, I'm talking like the peaking at that age, like all the resources on the ice, 12 hours a week at 9 and 10, um, doing all these things. Whereas, again, you look at, and we were talking before the show, you look at someone in a place like, like Sweden who has 10,000 minor hockey enrollments, right? That's how many kids they have. Between Canada and the U.S., we have over a million. Right. And so you, and again, obviously we're never going to have a system like the European one. It's we're way too invested. We've talked about this before, mm -hmm. Jamie, like there's, there's, there's no chance we can walk back anything that we've already opened. Right. It's like Pandora's box. We've created the chaos and this is the world we're going to live in. We're going to make the best out of it. But that doesn't mean we still can't improve. Right. Yeah. Like the behaviors that happen around this, and I'm not saying anything's entirely wrong. I'm just saying that's probably not the best, um, to, recruiting nine-year-olds to drive 90 minutes back and forth like i say this all the time your kid might not like hockey at 13 right your kid might really like baseball at 13 and now again it's they, so you can either have these great experiences play with their friends again whether it's triple a double a single a whatever that level is until they finally realize when they're ready to be serious about it and ready to be serious might be 16 it might be 18 right like there's there's all these different levels, especially since, again, and I'm sure you two have seen this, and Derek, I'm, I'm curious, well, you've just been in the game longer than Jamie and I in, in, a, in the coaching world, but the, the floor of goaltending has gotten so much better 
like your average goalie now, the skills they have compared to 10 years ago with the skills they had then. And we can say that every 10 years, right? Like, like Weston is a better skater on his knees at eight years old, nine years old than Jamie was at 14. Mm -hmm. That's very true. But the floor of the skill set of the players has also come up that much too. 100%. So if, if we, if, if you look kind of back the game where when Jamie was there and now the game now it's, you're going to have a lot of the same results because the players are that much better. The game is that much faster. Um, technology is better. Like think of the sticks. Oh my God. Like you got, I got, there's kids who are eight years old on, on Weston's team that are buying $230 hockey sticks. And when Jamie played they were, they were using wooden Titans. Like it's just, um, I can think of 30 or 40 skills coaches within 30 minute driving distance of where I live. That wasn't around 15, 20 years ago. So the, uh, the ceiling is probably the same. The floor has definitely come up and the difference between the two is closed. That gap is closed. Um, but it's closed for both goalies and for players. So it's it's the results still kind of still the median, still the median. I end up saying this a lot is that, uh, but again, I, I say this more, this is again, kind of getting away from the, the younger conversation that we've had today, but I find myself more and more saying that like goalies between the ages of 16 and 21, so junior goalies, there is a big giant pool of goalies who are all about the same overall quality as each other, like a massive pool where it's like you can pluck and play each one into different spots and they're not the same goalie. Like they have different weaknesses and different strengths, but the overall result is almost identical. Like that's where it's gotten to, right? Like even again, from OHL to junior A to junior B, you can probably plug and play a lot of people across those leagues and they'd probably be about as successful as each other. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Oh, OHL is a different level. Like it really, the OHL is definitely at, at, it's its own entity. Um, but then you go, you, you go the step below in junior A, junior B. And, and then I, I remember you talking about this with junior C goalies, like yeah. the, the ability of a junior C goalie now compared to a junior C goalie 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. Huge difference, massive difference. And that's, that's based off of, uh, the increased in coaching availability mm -hmm. and plus the knowledge of coaching and the capability of coaching, um, it just brought everybody up and that's good to see. And it's going to keep getting up and getting up. It, I, we got to figure out how to increase the ceiling now. That's our job. Yeah. Like I, again, if my junior C goalies are listening to me here, plug your ears. I don't want to boost your ego. Um, but I've said this a lot of time. We've had a number of goalies on my junior C team and I just kind of go like, Ooh, my initial impression was, Oh, you're, this is again, not anything negative about GC. I was like, oh, you're too good to be here. Like, why are, like, why are you here right now? Like, you're really, really good. And then the answer is, oh, cause there's 200 other versions of you that are like, you're, it's impressive, but you're right. It's like, how do we raise the ceiling now? Because that floor is so, again, Jamie and I talked about this. We started with this last year when, you know, every, well, probably happening this year. I haven't seen the discourse around Canadian junior goaltending this year yet. I didn't see it. I know they lost in the quarters. I didn't see anyone get too mad online. Maybe I blocked enough people that I didn't see it. Um, but like, the, yeah, it's good. They're good. Canadian goaltending is good. <laughs> it, it, and it works the way, like, you know, and we and we talked about this, the, we're too, too far gone in terms of the system. And we just like to improve it because it does work. Because we're, Hockey Canada, Hockey USA are still getting... You know, creating NHL players and hockey and USA hockey is outpacing on Canada. Just it's a sheer numbers game. Like you're going to have more high quality players. But the way that I tried to explain it, I've been trying to explain what, or sorry, when I was talking to the owners of Fox in terms of what I would like 
my vision in terms of what I'd like to be involved in is just, I don't want to do, are we leaving kids on the, are we leaving like chips on the table with our design? It's yes, the, the cream is going to rise, but can we bring up more kids? Can we develop more high quality kids versus the ones that are very good are going to continue to succeed and we quickly drop off those lower tier kids where that's what, I mean, you know, when I talked to, you know, some of my colleagues in, in Europe and stuff, the difference is it's because they have their structures designed where there's a lot more resources opportunity for all kids, they're able to bring up a larger chunk of good goalies. And then those top ones will continue to rise, but they give the oppor- there's opportunities for those second and third tier level athletes to grow and develop. And then will they get there? I guess we'll find out. But they have those opportunities where in North America, it is it is a lot of that survival of the fittest. And it's survival of the fittest and survival of those that can also afford to to be the fittest. And so I don't want, the way I'd like to see it is how can we create a pool of athletes and goalies specifically that's just larger than what we have now of high quality goalies that will continue to be successful in the future. And that's kind of my my goal and my vision of what I'm trying to to set up with how I'm designing things here. But we've been going for an hour. Any uh any any extra what's the what's a hot take? What's Derek's hot take of the day? Hot take of the day. I don't know if I got a hot take of the day. Uh put you on the spot. I'm scorching yeah. one. My hot takes that. always always gotta do with parents, so I don't want to get it. <laughs> yeah. I, I called him out a little bit at the beginning, but like, and the, it is what it is. Like, but this, I, I had a, I, I wish I had, I wish I had this discussion that I could find somewhere in September when I had to make the decision between my son playing half ice hockey and my son going to the clever super league. Um, and I wish I was informed and I, w- I, I had a conversation with, um, one of the parents that I coach whose kid is going to ha- go into U9 next year who's playing U8, who's a good little U8 goalie. And I wish someone told me some of the info that we talked about today. And it's, as a goalie, because this is a goalie podcast, as a goalie, the biggest difference or the biggest decision you have to make is if you want your son or your daughter or your goalie playing against the best players at the highest level or if you want them slowing down their development and playing the half ice, probably at a little bit lower level where you can put more money into development. And that is where the decision should be made is what works best for your family and the path that you want your son to take. And I think I got really lucky this year. It just kind of fell into my lap. It wasn't something that um, we went looking for because like, I'll be honest, we I took, Weston to a clever league tryout in the spring and they offered him a spot and I straight up said my kid is not good enough to play in this league and I do not want to subject him to playing against these players with big nets he will hate hockey and I did I declined uh over the summer he got a little bit better that team needed a goalie we we said okay like we'll fill in and I, so it kind of presented itself I got very very lucky um so it's 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 really nice that I got to see both words, worlds, but parents that are going to have to go through this next year, don't rush. If your son or your goalie, I don't want to say son, because there's some really, really good girl goalies out there. Uh, and actually, like, a, a, like there's some girls that play in that 
tier one clever that are phenomenal. Um, so I'll, I'll say goalie is not your son. Uh, so if your goalie, if you feel your goalie is good enough to play at that level, that's a decision to make. But the decision I made back in the spring was my kid's going to get lit up in this and I do not want him to be exposed to that. And we declined and then it kind of got, we got lucky and we found a good system for him that he gets to do both. And I've definitely seen an increase in his development. So uh, just do your homework and just don't feel the pressure from Hockey Canada. Like I know we don't want to, we're, we're not here to talk bad talk hockey Canada, but you are allowed to play both. And kind of the, the ruling I heard was from, this was from a high official in OMHA. I'm never definitely not going to say who it is. Is like, that's like us telling you your son can't play basketball because you play hockey in the OMHA. And it just doesn't hold weight if you fight it. And uh, USA hockey lost that lawsuit. And I think hockey Canada has kind of given up that fight. So there's definitely an option for you to play both. And if you can find a team that will let you play both, then do that. And I wish somebody told me that back in, um, at this time last year. Yeah, that's super insightful. Yeah, but like, yeah I'm going to make the caveat that I think ultimately, like any decision ever is just be informed about it, right? Like there's pros and cons to every decision in hockey generally. So unsurprisingly, there's pros and cons to these ones as well. Uh, Derek, I have one question. I know we're going long. I have one question, Jamie, and then I have a hot take for you. Um, but my question was, is how often are, is Weston on the ice with the OMHA team? Cause I know that the, one of the big appeals to the super league is just a sheer amount of ice time. So how many, is it like two practices, one game a week? What's it look like for him right now? Uh, so his team is, we're actually pretty lucky. We, we did a lot of fundraising, so we do buy extra ice. So I'd say he's, he's probably averaging two practices a week plus at least one game. Um, I do, I do, um, develop all of the Glancaster Bombers, which is also in our league. I right. developed their entire goalie system, and I know their UN, U9MD team is only on the ice once a week. So I, in terms of that side and our side, like this, the team that we're on, we're fortunate that we do get a lot more ice time than some of the other U9MD teams. But I do know that is the complaint from some other of the of their other programs. Yeah, and I think, again, that's a probably, a, that's probably a, a reasonable complaint where it's like, and again, that's a big thing that this Clever League does say. They're like, you're going to be on the ice a minimum of three hours of practice, right? Like, that's like a minimum thing. So they're doing a lot of ice, which is, again, depending on what that is. Now, I don't watch the practices, and uh, as I will talk endlessly about practice design, so let's not do that. This is my hot take. Uh, I think, and this is something that's not that hot because this is what uh, USA Hockey presented over at the World Juniors Goalie Symposium, um, is that you can design practices that are good for players and good for goalies. It's not that hard. It just takes a little bit of effort. And this is where I'm going to make a Hockey Canada plug. They have like a gazillion drill resources online. You don't have to create drills yourself. There's like lots of things that you can go look at yourself and see the availability and take and pick what's good. Shout out to the Hockey Canada Drill Hub on that one. It's massive. There are so many options, right? So coaches, don't feel like you need to use the same or think of, and also you don't need to think of the same drill every practice. You don't need to change drills every practice. You can use the same drill over and over and over again all year. Make small tweaks to it. It's like, you don't have to be that creative, especially for the younger kids. Like let them be creative within the drill themselves. That's my hot take. Goalies are not there to be targets. Players should not be taking the same shot over and over on goalies in a flow drill for 40 minutes. We can do that as a unit. That's my hot take. All right. Well, Derek, thanks for joining us on the pod. Um, where can people find you, contact you, and come stay with you? Uh, Instagram, at Bougen underscore goaltending. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. 
uh, or at On Ice Hockey Performance, uh, or at Bujan Derek, all on Instagram. Or, you know, just you Google my name. Hopefully, some good stuff pops up. I know a couple of bad things pop up. So, awesome. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, guys. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.